Welcome to UCLA Extension's Business Insights with Roger Ternaden, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you. This week's podcast will be a little bit shorter as we are awaiting key economic releases over the next week, as well as the upcoming Fed meeting. So our next podcast will go into some depth with much new information on not only the U.S. and the global economy, but the Federal Reserve actions and policies. Last week, we witnessed the important role politics plays in economic and finance expectations. When the former Prime Minister of the United Kingdom announced her plan to cut taxes and thereby run up continuing massive budget deficits, the markets decided they'd had enough of political incompetence. The British bond market, interest rates went ballistic, and the gilt market, their bond market, threatened a meltdown as for a number of minutes there were no bids or interest in buying their long-term bonds. And that activity left without very large additional support from the Bank of England threatened to implode Britain's bond market as well as their currency exchange market. Without the Bank of England buying many tens of billions of pounds or dollars, many bond mutual funds and pension funds, particularly in the United Kingdom, but not only the United Kingdom, would have faced unsustainable margin calls and financial losses. This was a close call, as the impact of a British financial meltdown would have quickly spread to the United States and Japan, threatening massive selling, including selling of U.S. Treasury debt. Some may remember from our initial podcasts two years ago, we emphasized the world's financial markets are importantly controlled by several hundred hedge funds, sovereign wealth funds, pension funds, and mutual funds. And specifically, the Blackstone Group, in my view, may be the most important one. Recall that Blackstone owns approximately 10% of the value of all U.S. stocks and has similar influence in the global bond markets. Also, you may recall that the 10 largest global banks have created approximately one quadrillion, yeah, a quadrillion dollars of financial currency and other derivatives. More specifically, J.P. Morgan, Citibank, and Bank of America stand as guarantors of much of these derivatives that are utilized by the very largest global investors to both bet on and control their financial risks. I bring this up again as the largest global investment organizations for a decade or more comfortably made profits knowing the world's central banks were easing interest rates and creating massive amounts of new liquidity or money year after year. In fact, the world was awash in liquidity, and we saw the impact on the real estate market, stock market, and bond markets, and that we've all witnessed for years, many of them hitting new highs last year. When the game changes, and if you have any doubts about a game change, please believe the money game has changed, at least in the United States. We should have little doubt at this point that our Federal Reserve will continue to reverse its easy money policies until we directly face a potential depression. We're not there yet. Hopefully, we won't be there with a depression, but we're not yet there in terms of the threat of a depression. As we've noted, the past severe recessions have dropped the stock market averages 50% or more in periods of a year and a half to two years or so, exceeding a 50% drop from the prior year highs in the stock market is not our expectation today, 
but it is certainly possible as global issues continue to play out in some very adverse ways. There will be a time when the U.S. stock, bond, and real estate markets are again in a long-term rally mode, but in my view, it's definitely not now. One podcaster asked me what I look for when trying to search out such a change in trend. I'll share my answer as you deserve points of view that are not in the 24 by 7 media cycle. Let's start with our global situation at a high or strategic level. The United Kingdom and the European community are entering a high-risk area for investors. The recent United Kingdom financial volatility is just a taste of market risk. The European community risks further breakage with the growing debts of the Mediterranean countries, a growing recession in Germany, and social unrest in France, just to name a few specifics. These issues are bad enough, but now they've compounded with soon-to-be-experienced energy shortages and related escalating prices. For now, and maybe through January, existing oil and natural gas inventories in Europe will push out the market impact, and additionally, U.S. shipments of liquefied natural gas to Europe will be of some significant help. February, March, and April will be a different story. Add to these upcoming energy issues the threat of Russia-Ukraine war escalation. As an additional point, which we haven't mentioned in the past few podcasts, Europe's banks were never cleaned up of the bad debts during the 08-09 Great Recession. Europe's largest banks are not only involved in today's derivative risks, but carry large unrealized losses in their financial statements. Continued weakness in Europe and continued war escalation will move large amounts of capital out of European financial markets into the safest market in the world, the United States. Actually, the ultra-wealthy in China and Taiwan can be expected to do the same to move large amounts of their capital to the U.S., particularly with the political strengthening of the head of China, President Xi. To a degree, some of this has already been occurring all along, but the amounts, in my opinion, are nowhere near the size of flows coming to the United States that will likely occur over the next year or two. And these flows, at a point, will be significant enough to generate positive uptrends again in the U.S. financial markets, but we're not there yet. In total, my answer of what can turn around the U.S. stock market, bond, and real estate markets into uptrends again lies, importantly, with the largest European, Chinese, and Middle Eastern pools of money. Several hundred large pools of money managed by the sovereign wealth funds, the private ultra-wealthy funds, pension funds, and mutual funds. This is coming, just not yet. Think 2023-24, too early. Trends are just that, trends. They last longer than most people imagine. Now, we are in a bear market for many reasons. One leading reason is that easy money allowed the world's largest investors to bid up stock, bond, and real estate prices. Another reason is a bit more esoteric, but equally important. We've covered this before, and it can be a bit complicated. So here's a summary. Let's start here. As interest rates go up, bond prices go down. Why? If you buy a bond that pays you 6% interest for a term of 30 years, that means for every $1,000 bond you own, you get $60 a year in bond interest. In the 30th year, you get your $1,000 back. That's pretty straightforward, right? 
First, let's cover the benefit period where you bought the bond, you get the 6% return, and we could go back to maybe 2007, 2008, when interest rates dropped down to 3% as they have over the past 10 years. New bond investors would pay much more than $1,000 to buy your bond since the new investors could only earn a market rate of, say, 2% or 3% in the marketplace, not the 6% you locked in when you bought the bond. So a new investor would actually make you an offer and pay you up to $1,900 for your bond to get the 2 to 3% return instead of the 6% you have. So you could sell your bond cash out, make a profit of $900 on your $1,000 investment because interest rates in this example are going down. So during this period, if you owned bonds that you bought in the 2000, 2006, 2007, 2008 period, you've watched these bonds go up on your brokerage statements. You've watched the prices go up. And nice wealth effect. People who feel like they're wealthier spend more money, and that's good unless the Federal Reserve wants to reverse that which they do. But the same impact I mentioned works in reverse. If you bought a bond today with a 30-year term, you'd get a bit more than 3%, or you'd get $30 a year in interest for every $1,000 invested. But next year, if the market interest rate would be, say, 6%, you'd get much less than that $1,000 you paid if you were to sell your bond. Actually, you'd get less than $600 on a $1,000 bond, so you'd lose 40% of your investment. Now, I know some people buy bonds, they hold them for 30 years. Many people buy bonds, many institutions buy bonds, pension funds buy bonds to match their anticipated payout for retirement benefits, life insurance benefits, and so forth. Bonds are sold in the quantities of hundreds of billions of dollars a day in the U.S. market. It's a highly liquid market. So again, if you were a speculator and you bought a $1,000 bond yielding 3% and you would sell it when the market interest rates would be at 6%, you would lose about 40% of your investment. This is actually where many pension funds and long-term bond funds are today. Some are facing losses so large, they're not financially viable. And by the way, if you're a pension fund, you can't just wait another 10 years and hope things get better. Your investments are marked to market prices just as your brokerage statements are. And there are funding requirements at a minimum for pension funds. That was an important issue behind the financial volatility one to two weeks ago in the United Kingdom. Pension funds were faced with having to sell large amounts of British gilts at large losses, which would have created kind of a death spiral, forcing lower prices, forcing more sales to meet their regulatory requirements. In any event, when interest rates are going up and up from a decade ago to historically low rates, some major investors, like those just mentioned, get into serious financial trouble, and they have to sell their bonds and stocks to pay for redemptions, retirements, and speculative positions that have gone wrong. This is what the UK pension funds are dealing with right now, and the same is true, maybe to a lesser extent, by a number of US pension funds. Overall, Easy money leads asset prices to new highs, and it did last year, and now high interest rates are leading these prices down. The Fed wants asset prices down to negate the wealth effect, which leads to higher consumer spending. 
In my opinion, they want lower stock market prices and even a recession, but they don't want a depression. I don't think anyone really wants a depression. So we have a ways to go before we hear the depression word in the media, and that tells me we have a ways to go to see lower stock, bond, and real estate prices. All of this is in the name of fighting inflation despite the fact that our inflation is caused by supply chain and political issues. So for the next two weeks in particular, until we get a better reading from our economic indicators, be cautious and I would avoid being lured into taking new positions in the bond, stock, and real estate markets. Actually, the real estate markets, as we make this recording, are dropping really substantially. And we advised of this expectation several podcasts ago, but it's now happening. So again, be cautious, protect your capital. Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcast. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director, Roger Tornadin. This podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu. We know it's about your life, not just your money.